All right, episode 16. It is the month of March, and so it's female month. You know, I like to go boy, girl, boy, girl with all of these podcast episodes so one sex doesn't dominate the other as far as guests go. And this is my birth month. I'm going to be 35 whenever March is over with. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to interview my mom. She'll call herself an extrovert, and she is in life around people she knows and in her comfort zones. She was not comfortable during this interview. <laughs> Um, And I was uncomfortable, too. It was very uncomfortable. I I don't know why it should be comfortable interviewing your parent. But I think my mom and I have a very special relationship. We're very similar. And to be completely transparent, I've put a lot of pressure on my mom in my life. She's my only living biological parent. My stepdad is still alive. But it's always been my mom and I against the world. And so I really do love her and I love that she obliged to be interviewed, but I also know she was not comfortable. And so it's not necessarily very conversational. She just, it was very Q&A because I don't think she felt comfortable, you know, taking the reins like she normally would and, and driving a conversation. And so and actually I know this because we went to dinner after our, we recorded this episode and, and that's where her, her questions came out. You know, it's just crazy. So anyway, I love that I have my mom on record. I don't know if she'll ever go and listen to this or share it or whatever, but I'm sure some of you are curious about who raised me and what she was like, or maybe you've seen her in photos. She's beautiful. She's a lot of fun. And I get many of the qualities that uh, people compliment me on come from my mom. So I'm very thankful for her. Here is my conversation uh, awkwardly with my gorgeous mom. on a podcast before no I haven't (laughs) (laughs) well this is pretty fun so I wanted to interview you because uh, this will come out in March and it's my birth month and so I thought who better to interview than the person who you didn't necessarily birth me but um, I birthed you I was in your belly for nine months and so I wanted to talk about that I I wanted to talk about your pregnancy (laughs) with me what do you what do you remember about being pregnant with me well First of all, maternity clothes back then were a lot different than how they were now. What do you mean? I mean, they were like big old tent dresses and, you know, they didn't want you to see that you had a belly. So they put so much fabric in there that it hid the belly, I guess. Right. So ugly clothes. But, you know, I wasn't sick or anything. I never had morning sickness. Really? Yeah. Never had any wild cravings with you, which is different. Yeah, because you liked, uh, when you were pregnant with Emily, you liked grapefruit. Grapefruit juice. I could not get enough of it. Yeah. That's so weird. I mean, I chug gallons of that stuff every day. I wonder if it was because, because when you had me, you were 26. Mm-hmm. And then when you had Emily, you were 39. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if the biology of your body changed. I'm in 13 sure. Years. I'm sure it did. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So I had a pretty easy pregnancy with you. I mean, you know, other than I think I gained a lot of weight. It was hard to lose. But um, but during the pregnancy, everything went well. When did you know that you were going to have to have a C-section? When I went into labor. And what did you think about that? I just thought, give me those drugs as fast as you can and <laughs> knock me out. <laughs> Literally, that's what I thought. They uh, Back then, they actually gave you um, a gas mask to put you to sleep. Oh, wow. And so when... Our, I guess it was just a mask. But anyway, when I realized that breathing that in was taking the pain away, Mm -hmm. I sucked air as fast. I mean, I was just like, (sighs) give me some of that. They kept it on you the whole time? 
I mean, I was out the whole time, yeah. So you did they do, like, the curtain up where you couldn't see what they were doing? I was sleeping. I didn't see anything. Wow. Yeah. And what's the first thing you remember when you came out of it? Do you even... I remember asking the nurse what I had, because I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh, I you was didn't ha- find out that you mm-hmm. had a girl? No. I wanted a girl, and I decorated for a girl and planned for a girl, but it wasn't until you were born that I knew. This is interesting, because my room was blue. Yeah, but it was blue lace. I loved blue. <laughs> I've always wanted to ask about that. I never, obviously, we don't talk about this that much. Yeah. I remember that room, blue carpet. I had that, well, this is whenever I was older, but I had that canopy bed with the blue yeah. canopy. I mean. It had, you had, um, yeah, you had like a blue canopy and blue ruffled bedspread. and Everything was ruffled. Ruffled it, pajamas. It, you, everything, <laughs> about, everything about your um, infant years and toddler years was was. Over the top ruffles. It really was. It was. It's disgusting now, but it was fun at the time. <laughs> and did you make my clothes growing up? Because you made a lot of Emily's clothes. I made. I made way more clothes for you than I ever made for her. Really? Yes. I remember the Dorothy outfit that mm-hmm. I wore like all the time. I made all your Halloween costumes when you were a kid. That was great. And I also made dresses. I mean, there's dresses that you have. I can show you baby pictures and, and show you exactly which ones are ones that I made. How did you learn how to sew? My mom sewed, and I just watched her and did it. I need to watch you sew. I don't know how to do any of that. Like, I I can't even, I don't even know how to, (laughs) like, if I have a hole in something, I don't even know how to go about, like, sewing that up. Okay, well, that would be easy to teach. All right, well, you need to teach me that. (laughs) All right, we'll go there. Let's talk about your childhood. You are one of six, Mm -hmm. and so you're, so um, my Uncle Jim is the oldest, and then you were the oldest girl. Right. Did you all, boys and girls, together sleep in the same room growing up? We had a room for the girls and a room for the boys. And did you have, like, what was, what were were the bed configurations in those (laughs) rooms or in the girls' rooms? We had one big bed. No, we, uh, each of the girls, um, we all had, each had our own twin bed. (laughs) Like. So there were three beds in each room. Right. Yeah. And so, like, you, Jean, and Jerry Uh all shared a room. So do you remember when you had those twin beds, like, did you and Jean have the beds closer to each other or like how were they configured? Because if there were three, one would be on each wall or one would be kind of the odd one out. For some reason, it seems like we had a big enough room that we had all three beds kind of lined up. <laughs> I, it, and I think I was on one end and Jean was in the middle and Jerry was on the other side. <laughs> like a hospital? Yeah. Like an old like, World War II exactly. hospital? Exactly. It did look oh like that. God. And I remember, um, you never, when you're kids and stuff, you don't you don't know what color is going to look it on a wall. But I remember <laughs> we finally convinced my mom. We wanted a peach room, but it turned out to be like this horrendous pumpkin orange <laughs> color. And at night you could see it. It just glowed from the outside. <laughs> It was the ugliest color ever. And, you know, at the time, none of us thought, well, why don't we just repaint it? I mean, it just never even occurred to us. You just lived with it. That was gross. That's really funny. Yeah. Who taught you to ride a bike when you were a kid? Um, I think my dad. You know, I could be wrong. It could have been my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have pets growing up? We had dogs and cats. Um, Dogs early on. Because I remember we had an actual um, German Shepherd police dog when I was real little mm-hmm. that jumped through a plate our plate glass window <laughs> trying to go catch the mailman. <laughs> anyway, that was wait. Did you have that dog? His grandpa was a uh, yeah, police think, officer. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we had cats growing up too. But really, I think mostly mostly dogs. Interesting. And they lived in the house. Um. Yeah. For the most part. Wow. I can't imagine you living with a dog. No, I can't either. <laughs> or a cat. <laughs> Shout out to Clover. Uh, how, so what was, if you could pick like the favorite thing, because I imagine 
you and your brothers and sisters, you all entertained each other. Like, what was the thing that you did to entertain each other growing up? Oh, my God. We fought like animals. I don't think we did anything to entertain each other. Like, did you pair off with yeah. allies? Because mm-hmm. there were so many of you. We had, um, it was weird, but so there were three boys and three girls, and there were three brunettes and three blondes. That's hot. And the three blondes always were one group. So it was my brother Joe, Psycho Joe, my sister Jean, and me. The three of us were against those brunettes. Yes. Growing up. I don't know why. I guess we were. That's pretty good. That makes sense, though, because yeah. Uncle Joe would find refuge in between two strong females, I feel like. Probably. That's probably where all of his problems came from. Okay, let's talk about high school life. What song takes you back to your high school years? Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Um, Probably, like, Stairway to Heaven. Really? That was, I didn't go to homecoming or prom, but that was the theme, I think, of my senior prom. Stairway to Heaven? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's going to die? Well, it was popular. (laughs) I guess so. That's interesting. (laughs) Maybe that's why I didn't go. Let's see. So what did, like, the hot guys and girls listen to? Like, if you saw them driving down Main Street or sitting up at BS in West Frankfurt listening to something, like, what did they listen to? Were they listening to disco or were they listening to rock? I mean, it was both, but for the most part, the people I ran around with, it was rock. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. Um, um, what is it? Um, greetings from um, Asbury, Asbury uh, Park. Yeah. Yeah. That was big back then, and there was a lot of Bob Seger. Bob Seger was big. But yeah, I think uh, I, I listened to rock and roll. I hated disco. Did you? I, I mean, I went to discos. When I was younger and and did it, but it wasn't my thing. I wasn't into that music. I love disco from the seventies. I really hate it. Do you? <laughs> yes. So what? So like when you would go to like a disco or a dance, mm-hmm. like I mean, how did you? Well, like what did you dance to rock? Is that just essentially? I what? danced to everything. So the main down in Southern Illinois where I grew up, there was a place called Cuckoo's. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, Bowling alley, but it had a big disco in it. Mom, I went to I went there whenever I was thirteen. See, well, I went there when I was sixteen, <laughs> so we were two of a kind here. Thirteen, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, Dad, let me go. So they used to have a country western night, and even though I've always hated country, I would go to country night because it was fun. Yeah, they had a wild bull because it was like the urban cowboy time frame. <laughs> I remember riding that bull so many times. People paid to let me ride. Okay, what guys paid to get me on the bull? Okay. They did. Yes, because you were sexy on the bull. I think I. I was. Yeah. But you were so you were so introverted. No, I wasn't. You would say that you were shy in high school. I was shy in high school, but I mean, I guess at I would Cuckoo's. get out at night and go crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I rode the bull so many times one night that my arms swelled up and I couldn't put a shirt on. So. Why was your shirt off? No. <laughs> I had a shirt on there. You know how when you take your shoe off after you hurt your foot, yeah. it'll swell up? My arm did that, too. Wow. Yeah. That's where I get it from, I think. I think you do. <laughs> but anyway, rock and roll all the way for me. Yeah. I don't have any use for disco anymore. Do you remember your first concert that you wanted to go to? It, it was the Rolling Stones that I wanted to go to. Um, I remember when they toured in 76, um, I wasn't dating anybody, and um, I wanted to come to St. Louis to see them. Mm-hmm. And I asked people I knew that we'd be going, which was usually older guys, so probably eight or ten years older than me. I knew they were going, and I'm like, I just want to ride. I know you're going. I'll ride in the back seat. I'll pay my own way. Right. None of them would bring me up here for it, which was very sad. Yeah, that is sad. But I think, I know I, I saw Bob Seeker a few times. Um, your Aunt Jean and I drove through an ice storm to get from Southern Illinois to the old Checker Dome. <laughs> and when we hit, like, Belleville or maybe before Belleville, 
it was a solid sheet of ice. I'm not kidding you. Electricity was off because power lines were down. We just kept going. I remember crossing the Poplar Street Bridge, and cars were sliding sideways in front of us, bouncing off the side of the bridge. And I'm just gripping the wheel thinking, oh, my God, we're going to die on this bridge. But we made it there. And um, my mom had actually given us money for a hotel room yeah, because she knew the weather was – she was worried about the weather. So we get there, and, of course, we go in. And what do we spend all that money on? T-shirts. We had no money. <laughs> for hotel rooms. Okay. So where did you sleep? We we drove back. Just drove back. And we were um oh god, it was one of those concert trips. We finally got across the river. We're in Illinois. All the power is still off and we're on E. We have no gas in the car. And it's like 2 in the morning and it's freezing outside. So we thought the best thing would be to stay on the interstate in case we run out of gas. Hopefully we, somebody would help us. Yeah. So I remember passing the exit. I think it was like Oakville or something. Mm-hmm. And um we it was two it, there were two exits one went south and one went north and you had to go south to get to the gas station but we didn't want to waste our gas to get off on the south exit if the gas station wasn't open right so we had to pass the first exit and we could see it was open and i remember like i said 2 in the morning we get off the wrong exit and we go the wrong way no. on a one way road in the middle of the night to get to that gas station Everything worked out though. Everything. <laughs> I don't. I don't recommend that to anybody. No. Emily, if you do it, I will kill you. Yes. Well, it's interesting that like we're all so used to gas stations for the most part being open twenty four yeah. hours now, and that's just not the way it was. All right. So you and Dad, my dad, got married when you were twenty four. Um. Yes. What do you remember about that wedding day? Well, um, it was uh, it was a lot more formal. For us, yeah, um, we had it at the Catholic Church. We had, I think, for for that time, it was considered a pretty big reception. Um, we had it catered. I mean, some things I remember about it. You know, my bridesmaid was Teresa, my sister Jean. I had two bridesmaids. We had the wedding reception at the Elks Club, but it was fun. And then you and Jerry married almost twenty two years ago. And what do you remember about that wedding? Well, it was a lot different. We wanted to we wanted our friends there, but we wanted it laid back. We also wanted it to look like a wedding for pictures and things. Mm-hmm. So um, you were my bridesmaid, and my friend Lisa was the other one. Two mm-hmm. again. Two again. <laughs> and uh, I remember Lisa found a dress at the Salvation Army. <laughs> she looked good. She did. Um, but it was fun. It was a lot more laid back. We basically got married in this little one-room church thing. It was a five-minute quickie wedding because it was very hot. Yeah. Um, the day before the wedding, we had this crazy storm that blew through. Um, we thought it was going to blow all the, the we had tents set up and stuff. Right. It's going to blow everything away. At our land in Chester, Jerry owns. Yeah. But it was, it was a lot more laid back, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And you were pregnant with Emily. Thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> yes, I was. So no alcohol at number two. That's true. What is your favorite thing to do with Jerry? Honestly, Friday night. Wine night. Yes. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to do with Jerry. Do you like, because sometimes in the summertime you have a bonfire in the mm-hmm. driveway and then on the winter months you do it just inside. Like what's your favorite out of those two to be indoors or outdoors? Well, they're just so different. I, sometimes you just want to, on a Friday night or whatever, you just want to kick back. You just want to open a bottle of wine. You want to just put your pajamas on. No friends. No, You don't have to be on. I like that mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, the other usually turns into a little mini block party. No, it does. <laughs> and it gets crazy and loud out there. That is but uh, I like them both. Do you remember when you told me that you and dad were getting divorced? Because I, I think I, I remember it. 
I don't know if it's if it's a real memory or not. Like I have a weird thing in my head that I you know I I don't remember sitting down and doing that. So tell me your memory, and I'll tell you if it's. So I was five. I knew you were five, and yeah. I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And so I think Grandma Betty picked me up at school and drove me back to the house. And you and Dad told me that you were divorcing, or however you termed it, in my room. I think that's right. Actually, now that you say that, yeah, because I like I don't remember what was said or anything, but I just visually like remember being in my room. Yeah, I do and think having that's that right. conversation. Yeah. And so I didn't know if that was real or not. You know, after you guys got divorced, which I I've always thought was the best thing that could have happened. I've never been somebody that's been like mm-hmm. I have people that say like they're mad or sad because their parents got divorced. I I really never felt Mm -hmm. that way. Well, I think I'm from a divorced family. And I remember when my mom and dad decided to get a divorce, I remember very clearly the weeks leading up into it. And you could cut the the tension in the house with a knife. You could just tell something was wrong. And um, I remember when they finally said that's what was going to happen, it was like a big relief came over me. I mean, that's mine. Yours, I mean, I don't care who wants it or what happens to cause it I think it's hard on both parties no matter what it's hard it was very hard to do yeah you know but I also felt like um I I just didn't think that would be the best environment for you to grow up in either and it it wasn't like I again like I really felt like I, I just remember not being like too affected by it even when we moved out and um and all the houses that we had and all the different places that we lived you know starting out because you were still in well you might have just graduated from SIU yeah I I graduated in 90 okay so yeah so it would have been around the same time mm-hmm. and then you and I we lived with Jean for like a really short moment just to get just to get a place to live yeah. yeah and then we moved into the Benton apartment and then we moved to West Frankfurt, that apartment across from the grade school. And then we lived in a house on Horrell Avenue. Out of those places, what mm-hmm. was your favorite place to live? Well, the Horrell Avenue, of course. Right. I mean, great. it was it was it was a friend of mine had um, just bought it. Her mom and dad had just bought that house, and they were looking for somebody to rent it. I probably wouldn't have moved out of the second apartment if yeah. if that hadn't come along. It just was the perfect opportunity, and they they wanted me to live there, and I said, okay. And uh, it was cute. It was a cute house. and It was cute. It had that yeah. huge yard. Yeah. And our, it was funny because, like, growing up, um, you know, maybe this was something because of the divorce. I don't really know. But I slept in your bed with you for, like, until I was, like, how old? Like, oh. <laughs> you know, like. Well, you know what? It's kind of funny because um, I think you were you were probably afraid a little bit, but you know, I didn't care if you slept with me. I mean, it was just me. So it didn't matter. And I knew where you were if something happened. If there was a fire or somebody broke in right. the house, I would know where you were. Right. So well, I was like, yeah, you could sleep with me. But even like, because the Benton apartment, I remember like it was one bedroom. <laughs> the Benton apartment was one bed. It was you, one bed. It was and your you bed. <laughs> it was your twin bed. Right. And I had a lazy boy chair. Yeah. But then when did we get the the sofa that was the love seat that turned into the bed? Yeah. We didn't even have a couch in that house for a long time, did we? I, maybe when we moved into the to the, the second apartment. Yeah. I think of the second apartment. We, we didn't got have it. much furniture. No, I know. But we were okay. We didn't need Did any. you sleep on that recliner? When you were gone, I would sleep in your bed. So if you were at your dad's, I would sleep in your bed. But if you were home, I would sleep in the recliner. I don't remember that. Yeah. Okay, so that's Benton. And then we moved and we got more furniture at the West Frankfurt apartment because we Mm -hmm. both had our own rooms with our own beds. And then when we moved to the Horrell Avenue apartment or um, or, uh, house, I remember like... We had so much space, and mm-hmm. I was on the, like, your bedroom, the master bedroom was on one side of the house, mm-hmm. and then my bedroom was on, like, the complete other side. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, 
oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> you know, so I would like come sleep in your bed with you yeah. still. Like I started to stop doing that eventually, but um, <laughs> a couple years ago, <laughs> a couple years ago I stopped that. I just remember whenever I would sleep with you, you would get so aggravated with me because I toss and turn a lot and you'd be like, just stop moving. <laughs> I know you did. You kicked, you did everything. I know. I loved that. Ti- that time of our life's very special to me because I feel like we have normal, our lives have been more normal in quotation marks, you know, since moving to Columbia and like having a house where mm-hmm. everybody has their own space and stuff. But I always like looking back on that. In fact, the songs that remind me, every time I play the song. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, I think. The song What It Takes by Aerosmith. Oh, no. That song and then Life is a Highway. The highway song. <laughs> every time we would be driving to school, that song played. Um, and then Melissa Etheridge, you got really into the Melissa Etheridge album. Yeah. Where it was like, Come to My Window. Oh, I don't remember that song, oh. but I did like her. <laughs> yes, come to my window, come to please. My window. I'll leave it open for you. All right, so talk about work. I The whole time that I've been cognizant of you working professionally, it's always been in sales. Yeah. What has drawn you to working in sales? I don't know. I like it. I like working with customers. Um, you know, if you do a good job for them, they're going to they're gonna buy from you, and I, I've always just liked it. Yeah. You like yeah. the personality that goes into yeah, being a salesman? Yeah, I do. I do. I like, and now with this job, I travel a lot more. I love the travel part. I mean, there's sometimes I don't love it as much, but for the most part, I like to travel. It's nice to get out of town and see a different, you know, scenery and all that. But what's the most common misconception about salespeople? That we lie, (laughs) that we lie and we're pushy. It's so true. I think the main thing, I mean, what I've always found with customers is you, if you listen to what they want and what they need and what's going to help them make money. Then um, and you execute, you do what you say you're going to do, and you treat them fairly. You're going to have really good, strong sales relationships, and that's what I've built everything I've got on. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I guess sometimes they've. I think salespeople have just a bad rap, and I don't know if it came from like the '60s or something. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I think it's because it's all based in money. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though everybody works for money, mm-hmm. I think sales they're on the forefront of how everything, how businesses thrive is through whoever is doing the sales, whoever is going out there and getting Mm -hmm. the money and bringing it in. And I think that people, for the most part, have a hard time having a relationship talking about money. I think money's part of it, maybe. It depends on what the sale is is for, cars and houses. But I also think that people think salespeople go in there and sell you something you don't want or need. And I think that's the biggest misconception because, um, and there may be some people out there doing it. Maybe there are salespeople that are pushy. I don't know. I'm sure there are plenty of them. But for like for me, what I do is my customers already want what I have. Mm-hmm. It's just figuring out how to get it to them at a fair price, on time, shipments in full. Customer service is really big. So right. it's, a, it's a little bit different. So, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm pounding on a door to a grocery store and saying, hey, I've got some beans I want to sell you. <laughs> You know, right? No, they're a lot of times they're calling us, and and then it's just a matter of figuring out how to get everything uh, in the same, um, how to get everything lined up and and get it to, to them. You know what they need. You've so. always been a mom who works. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for women who are maybe new moms? Mm-hmm. And I think you've passed this on to me, definitely, possibly Emily. 
we identify by what we accomplish in the work we do, and we have a lot of pride in that. And I think that women, especially in 2020, who are possibly getting ready to have babies or they just had a baby and they don't want to give up that autonomy and that idea that they have with what they do, you know, how do you balance being a mom and having a professional career still? Well, I think you have to be honest with yourself and what you want. I mean, the hardest thing to do when you have a baby, a new baby, is to drop it off at a babysitter or daycare. Right. It really is. But I also think that, um, so I think the main thing is just make sure you have child care lined up. If you're going back to work, if you have child care lined up that'll, that you can live with and that you feel is that you can trust and your child's safe and happy. Yeah. I think that's the main thing because otherwise it'll eat away at you. And... Um, but I also feel like working moms beat themselves up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is it doesn't have to be us against them. I ha- I'll tell you what. It's the stay-at-home moms that people like me are so grateful for. Yeah. I mean, you have to have that connection with those people. You have to have a network of moms. Otherwise, your kid is going to be the one that's not in anything. I'm not kidding. I mean, yeah. you've got it. I could never get home in time to get Emily to dance practice or ballet right. or whatever the heck she was in, softball. So, you know, thank God for people like Francine that would that would take her for me. Right. And, um, you know, and then when I was able to return the favor, I would try to do it. Yeah. Well, and with Emily, we had that network of moms. And then with me, it was growing up, dad would pick me mm-hmm. up and then I'd go to grandma's house, mm-hmm. you know, until you got off work, which was the best. The best. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it wasn't... I. She wanted me there. I loved yep. being there. Everybody kind of won in that situation. It's hard when you move away from the, your family, though. And yeah. it was really tough. I don't have any regrets. I mean, there are a few regrets um, along the way. I, you know, I look back when Emily, I've told you this before. <laughs> I look back when you were probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 playing soccer. And Emily right. was the most holy terror child in the world. <laughs> and I, you know, I justified not really getting involved in your sports because I I couldn't take her with me, right. and I had just picked her up from a babysitter after being with them all day. I didn't right. want to get another one. So, I mean, looking back, I probably would have figured something out. I, I think, though, I think that, you know, I had a lot of resentment growing up about that, but mm-hmm. I feel like as I've gotten older and I've been able to kind of look at what all of that was for me, I don't know if I would be the same person I am today with ha- without having that sort of... um individualism or not individualism but like I I was kind of even though you always knew where I was and it was responsible I had to make decisions on the fly you know what I'm saying like I didn't have mom over here to make Mm -hmm. my decision for me on the spot whenever something was happening whether that was a friend thing or a coach thing or anything like I had to kind of navigate through things a little bit more on my own because my dad was two hours away and you know other things were going on with you and stuff so I don't know if I would be as self uh efficient as I am today if it wasn't for some of those moments not yeah having parents always around me you know at least that's Probably. how I'm trying to that's how, how I'm trying to turn it on myself to as a positive in my at my age what is the thing you miss the most about not having Emily or I in the house Emily's way at college and she's doing an internship now even though she does technically still live with you but she's gone majority of the year mm-hmm. you know what what do you miss the most about having your kids in the house with you it's just it just seems quiet you know <laughs> it really does <laughs> um when you're little and stuff I mean obviously you're like 
you're needy and you, you want to be around and everything. I mean, even Emily, as she got older, she spent a lot of time in her room. Yeah. Just like you did. So I think there's a certain age where you just want to be away from your parents and in there. But just knowing that you could always go in there and make sure they're okay, I right. think it's one of the biggest things. When you're young and you live at home, you don't, like, recognize that stuff. And then then it's mm-hmm. gone. And then, you, then you're, like, at your own house or your own apartment and you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't have that going on anymore. You know, like, I, I can't. I have to drive 20 minutes to go see you. So did you ever hope to have a son? No. <laughs> I really didn't. I wouldn't know what to do with with one of those. <laughs> yeah. That would be weird. I don't know. Jerry would have an ally. That wouldn't be good. We don't want him to have any allies. Not even Tim. Uh, who is better to live with, Emily or me? No, I'm kidding. Um, Both. <laughs> For different reasons. What? Okay, go. Oh, that sibling thing. I didn't listen to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But... It said that, you know, talking about how, you know, having a favorite child and all that. I don't think parents have a favorite child. I really don't. I think parents love their kids equally, but mm-hmm. I think they love different things about them. Yeah. So you, your outgoing personality, and you're happy. I mean, you're friendly <laughs> and your crazy laugh. Yeah. Um, I mean, Emily, um, I love her drive and determination with her career. She's, right. and, I, and, you know, I'll be honest with you. I love the fact that she... She could sit down and do her homework. I didn't have to get involved. It's hard to work with kids on their homework. And you had to and be completely involved with me because I didn't want to do it, well, and I struggled. I did the best I could. But you, I mean, you, you're you smart. I mean, there was nothing wrong. It wasn't like that. I just think that you you weren't driven to make the grades that she was driven to make. I wasn't interested in school growing up. I know. Until I got to college. Right. And then whenever I could focus in on what I was interested in, it was like all good grades. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Emily, Emily is like, I mean, she really is kind of like genius baby. Like, I mean, she really has always been smart. Like, I mean, I, I she's smarter than I am as far as book smart. So those were the traits that you think that we inherited from you. Because I really think that the drive that we have to get things done mm-hmm. in our professions comes straight from you and seeing that example. I think so. And I think uh, creativity and crafts and oh, things yeah. like that. Okay, so what is your favorite band? We, we know. know. It's the Rolling Stones. And if you had to pick a favorite Rolling Stones song, what would it be? Oh my gosh! Oh God, there's so many. Um, ugh, I've been listening to a lot. I went through this phase where they've got this like unplugged um, album. Mm-hmm. I forgot what it's even called, but there was a song called "The Spider and the Fly." Yeah, I it's bluesy. I love that song. I haven't heard it much lately. Oh my God, there, there's just so many. Um, I love Angie. Mm-hmm. I love "Sympathy for the Devil." I'm sorry, but yeah. I do. It could be the best Rolling Stone song of all. It time. probably is, but there's really just every single one of them. There's not a bad Rolling Stones song out there. Were you sexually attracted to Mick Jagger? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> no. Why do people have think just because I like the Stones, I'm like a... Yeah. You, well, I think it's mainly because you want to track him down. I want to... I, you know what? I think, I think Mick Jagger is some sort of quiet genius of some sort. I really do. And I would love to just sit down and talk to him. Well, we're going to. Um... I would like to know what it's like to be Mick Jagger. Because I think he is the music... Uh, like icon in the world. I think he's going to go down as being like the number one, the biggest, baddest, you know, band member ever. Ever. Yeah. More so than Paul McCartney. Hella more than Paul McCartney. Yes. I think Paul McCartney's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think they're on different levels. Oh, yeah. And I think you've got what's supposed to be the bad boy of rock and roll over here Mm -hmm. who is, I think he's a genius. I really do. Yeah. He's a businessman. I mean, he's smart. Um, he was able to go through the bad years of drugs and alcohol and women and everything that they did in the 60s and 70s and right. come out of it and, and 
He's not been scarred at all. No. He's got kids all over the world. He's got kids everywhere. He's got he's got like a two year old. I know. So I'm just saying, and yet he look at him. What do you think that two year old is going to think of him? He's gonna. He probably wonders. You know, is this my like great grandpa? I don't know. Can you imagine having your dad is eighty almost? I know. I know. That's crazy. All right. So we have some listener submitted questions. See. So have you always been a football fan? You know, I became a football fan when my brother John was in high school. He was a few years younger than me, and when he started playing football, I would go to the high school games with my mom, and she mm-hmm. literally taught me football. Yeah. So that's how I learned, you know, all the rules and and what's going on, and um, and then when the uh, when the Rams came to town. I, I'd already. It was funny because I had already been a Rams fan before they ever came. My first, oh, really? my, my one and only NFL jersey was a Rams jersey, a Vince Ferragamo eight like eighty six or eighty seven, nineteen eighty six or eighty seven jersey. So I was always a Rams fan, and when they came to town, it, it was just like the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, if you could say one thing to Stan Kroenke, what would it be? I wouldn't. I would love to ask him what happened to him as a child <laughs> to make him the one of the most disgusting evil people in the world. I feel like anybody that could do what he did to people that he supposedly grew up with, yeah. born and raised in Missouri, you know, how can something happen to him? <laughs> I don't know what. I have a feeling it was some sort of bad bullying. I don't know. I think he's greedy. Greedy. Greed is fine. I mean, I don't have a problem with somebody making the most money they can, mm-hmm. but he didn't just take the team away to make money. He stuck a knife in St. Louis and twisted it, and then he kicked us all to the curb. And, I mean, he did it um, with hatred, Yeah. and i that's what I don't understand about him. Something happened to him. <sighs> I don't want to know. Don't even get me started. <laughs> did you see at the XFL game they had made those um, pinatas of his... Body. Yes, the um the <laughs> somebody made that piñata and they were all doing their thing, kicking it and beating it and some guy took a folding chair, not kidding, and smacked that thing. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Very gratifying for you. <laughs> it was. Too bad it wasn't the real stand. Uh somebody asks, "Who's the bigger rock fan, you or me?" You- I think it's well, rock and roll. Yeah, I like think I'm. I think I'm probably the bigger fan. Whatever, mom. You like all that other stuff too. Um, <laughs> somebody asks, "What is the most embarrassing thing that I ever did as a kid growing up?" Oh my god! You can say whatever you want. I'm trying to think what it is. I don't know. <laughs> this is your question. I don't remember. I know. Give me a. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's so many things that could be considered. I, I don't know if you were embarrassed, but they were so funny when they happened. One of them was when you decided to do a ballet dance oh, yeah. at the school uh, talent show. <laughs> and you and uh, your friend never had a dance class in your life. And you're right. up there doing ballet moves like you knew what the heck you were doing. In jeans. And it was pretty funny. Yeah. You were laughing so hard in the stands. You I had was to crying. Leave. I know. <laughs> Tears were coming down my face because you were so serious about it. Well, they wanted. I know. Janet Mosier, Raylan's mom, was like, you guys need to nail this. And we didn't even oh, know what we God. were doing. Well, the other thing, and this was probably more embarrassing for you, was when you were a cheerleader. Do you remember this? <laughs> Hang on. Keep going. I think it must have been, what, fifth grade or sixth grade? Yeah, okay, so you're a cheerleader. I'm up in the stands at the basketball game, and you and your little cheer friends are down there, and you start mouthing the other team's cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And I give you the signal. What's the s- signal? This, like the 
finger in front of my face saying, stop it. Stop it now. And I'm watching this thing go down, and you look at me, and you give me the look like, you can't hurt me down here, Mom. (laughs) Well, we found out that I can. Yes. Yes. I went straight down those steps, down onto the floor, across the floor to you, and I said, that's enough. Remember? No, I don't remember it. I must have blocked that out of my brain. That was pretty fun. All right, Mom. Have you felt interrogated enough from this? I thank yeah. you for coming. This is good to have on record because I um I've been talking to a couple of friends and they're they're like I would interview my parents if I had a podcast and I'm like that's a great idea. So I wanted to interview you. Was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? No, I I wasn't. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks, mom. Thanks for birthing me. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. Love you. Love you. And there you have it, my mom. Thanks, mom, for sitting down with me and letting me peer into your brain even more than I normally do when I'm around you. Uh, like I said, it wasn't the most comfortable interviews both on her part and mine. It's kind of interesting, you know? Um, I know I've listened to podcasts where people interview their parents, and I wonder if they had that going on and they never shed any light on it. So maybe that's a thing or maybe it's not. But nonetheless, to have my mom on tape like this, answering questions, talking about things that I'd never talked to her about, like growing up and and the bedroom dynamic of her sisters and how they painted the walls fluorescent orange. It's interesting. I'd never heard that before. And just having my mom's voice is so important. So thanks, mom. Love you very much. So the next female guest that will come out on March 20th, keeping within this theme of my personal life for all sorts of birth month narcissism (laughs) reasons. I'm interviewing my sister. My sister is 21 and I love her. She's my second to my husband. She's my other soulmate on planet earth. I love her so much. I waited a long time to get a sister. And so I'm going to interview her and we're going to talk everything that is about her life. And she's one that I, I don't think we'll have too much of a problem getting into some really deep stuff because that's how we roll. So look forward to that <laughs> on the 20th when the second episode for March comes out. I hope you guys are well. Enjoy the Ides of March. You know, I guess just be good out there. All right. Talk to you on the 20th. Peace. Peace.